Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in our last program, you were interviewing Mr. Ray Wenger concerning a book he recently published. And today we'll hear part two of that interview. Yes, Scott, my good friend Ray Wenger has written a book titled Jesus Christ Delivers from Dazzling Deception. It's on the return of the Lord, in other words, end times prophecy. And I wrote a foreword for the book. And I want to encourage everyone to read his excellent treatment of what is often a misunderstood and confusing subject in God's Word. Not too different from many people's opinions concerning what the Bible says about creation. (laughs) That's very true. That is something that those two subjects tend to have in common. So, in part one of the interview, we discussed the confusion so often associated with prophecy about the return of the Lord and the causes of that confusion. Now, I'm not going to review a lot of that discussion, so I recommend that if you didn't hear part one, you listen to it on the podcast. But the major reason Ray gave for the confusion was people's improper understanding of the form of the literature used in many prophetic passages. Examples are the Olivet Discourse in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, or Jesus' lengthy discussion with his disciples in Luke chapters 16 through 19, in which Jesus teaches on several different subjects, including and focusing on his return. Now, understanding the form those passages are written in enables the reader to properly interpret what Jesus meant and how the events relate to one another. For example, the relationship between the judgment of Noah's flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the Great Tribulation. Right. Jesus compares those three events in Luke chapter 17. So let's read what he says in Luke 17, verses 26 through 30. Jesus is speaking, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. So that's where we'll stop. Now, what Ray points out in the book is, in the cases of both Noah and Lot, Once the Lord's people were in places of safety, destruction swiftly came upon the wicked. And that is how it will be at the coming of the Lord. First the rapture, and then the great tribulation. So now then, in part two, we will be discussing what's mentioned in the title of the book, Deception. Okay, so here is part two of Dr. Scripture's interview with Ray Wenger, author of Jesus Christ Delivers from Dazzling Deception. What would you say is some of the deception that you are trying to address? Well, one of the deceptions that I'm trying to address is failure to believe God's Word. Mm. And failure to believe that prophecy can be clearly understood. And failure to obey what we know. If you don't obey what you know, you're going to get confused in a hurry. And of course, Satan is behind all this. Uh, He's a deceiver. He's a murderer. He twists and perverts what God says. 
And he convinces people that they can have a utopia without God. And like someone said very well, they said, Satan always pays with counterfeit money. Right, no kidding. And he wants to destroy anybody who opposes him. When you uh, talk about Satan as being a deceiver, what are some of the ways that he has managed to deceive the world? One of the ways that you're very familiar with is evolution. Amen. Unbelievers want an explanation of how in the world all this complexity and beauty could exist without a creator. But they do not want to obey what they consider are God's pesky rules. What's so interesting is evolutionary theory and evolutionary thought is filled with so many obvious internal contradictions. For example, man obviously can't run fast and he can't bite hard. But it's very obvious that he has dominated the planet. Mm. So he must truly be the survival of the fittest. And the uh, evolutionary contradictions that you have, I'm sure you're familiar with Michael Behe and his minimal complexity. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of things that cannot work at all unless you have all the minimal component parts working. Right. And then there's another book called Darwin's Black Box, which you're probably also familiar with. Yep. The uh, complex machinery at the cellular level. It's impossible to evolve it. It's just all kinds of complicated stuff. Little machines doing this and doing that. And you have to do a tremendous amount of hand-waving to uh, make it happen. And, of course, along with this, you have Stephen Hawking, who was probably one of the most brilliant guys in the 20th century. And he figured out a way that under certain conditions... You can have the universe created out of nothing, and we don't need to have any God. Isn't that wonderful? And, of course, the unbelieving world was glad to receive such information. Mm -hmm. And that's how people get deceived, because if you'd like to be deceived, you're going to be deceived. Another area that where people love to be deceived is in psychology. Mm. They want to find an explanation for why evil is in the world, but they want an explanation that is different from what God says. God says that our fallen nature inherited from Adam is why there is evil in the world. And Satan's lie, of course, is follow me. I'll give you freedom. And Jesus says, follow me and I'll set you free indeed. Another area of deception in our world is self-deception. And we see this happening over and over. Yeah, I think notice, this is something that's very common now. People just deceiving themselves because they want a certain answer. And so they convince themselves, like you touched on, Ray, the inexplicability of the complexity of living organisms. And yet, though a person, if they step back and use common sense, recognize it's absurd for that to happen by accident, they choose to just believe something silly because then, as you pointed out, it can explain away a God who has, I love the way you put it, pesky rules. And so then, uh, you know, they can do what they want. So this self-deception is, I think, a very important means by which Satan deceives the whole world. That's really true. And what I think is so interesting is this self-deception also occurs in relation to Scripture. You know, there's something that they see in the Scriptures that they don't like. They mm -hmm. like always, yes, we like a lot of the Scripture, but we don't like that point. And when a person sees something like that and they don't like it because it conflicts with what maybe their parents taught them or what they wanted to think or how they want to live, then automatically the person begins to think, how can I show that this thing that's bothering me is false? And if you're searching to prove that truth is false and false is true, you'll soon find what you want. Amen. And so if you want to be deceived, God will actually send you great delusions. In other words, you shut down the channels of communication, and that automatically makes you blind 
in other aspects. And delusion from God will come very quickly. Uh, you can see this illustrated in Romans chapter 1. It's yes, very clear. Just thinking of that. The terminology there is God gives them over. That's right. That's another and way so of putting it, it, though. Let's them be deluded. And if you notice down through that chapter how terrible it is and how bad they turn out, after a while they can't think straight. It says God gives them over to a depraved mind yes. to believe the things that are not appropriate. And if you find out, you know, I've done this thing. The thing you better do is repent as fast as you can because it'll accelerate worse really fast. What people don't realize is when you shut down one aspect of truth in your mind, this automatically closes your mind to other aspects of truth. It's probably useful just to glance at Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 7 and then 13. It says there, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. Now, notice that their motivation is their own lusts, and they want to indulge in them. And they say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So there they're talking about uniformitarianism, which I'm sure you know as a creationist, how they assume that everything would be the same kind of rates and all that kind of stuff. Right, as opposed to uh, a disaster, which they don't like thinking that God is the source. And so what they do in verse 5, they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. In other words, they forget the creation and they forget the word of God by which the world then existed perished, being flooded with water. So they forget the flood, global mm -hmm. flood. And they also don't pay any attention to the fact that God's word says that the heavens and the earth, which are now existing, are preserved by the same word and are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But then on down in verse 13, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Mm. In other words, there's going to be a change. And there's going to be global warming, by the way. Uh, it's going to be a lot hotter than they think. And it's going to be that this present universe is destroyed by fire. And then there will be a new heaven and new earth. And the only people that will be there are going to be people that have taken Jesus as Savior, Lord, and King. Mm -hmm. Or angels that have never fallen with Satan and doing the terrible things that Satan led some of them to do. So, Ray, I so much appreciate the work that you did to write the book. I really want to recommend to all the listeners out there, I know that this isn't a book on creation, but it certainly has things that relate to creation and especially the deception that uh, Satan has managed to propagate around the whole world about evolution. And there are other deceptions, Ray, that I appreciate you bringing out. I really want to recommend to everyone that you check this book out. Again, the title of the book is Jesus Christ Delivers from Dazzling Deception. And uh, Ray, I appreciate the graphs that you put in there and the way you've organized the book. So uh, tell us how we can obtain the book. The way you can do is you can go to our website, www.wengerministries.org www.wengerministries.org. Okay. Wengerministries.org. Great. Well, Ray, I really appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit about the book. 
I just hope and pray that a lot of people will get a hold of this book because, as you mentioned at the beginning of our interview, a lot of people, they just sort of throw their hands up because there just is so much conflicting information out of there. But I uh, would like people to know, at least my testimony about the book is, it is written in a way that truly clarifies very many of these issues concerning the different judgments, whether it's the 70 AD or the Great Tribulation and the timing of the rapture and so forth. And on top of all of that, I appreciate so much your continual emphasis on what is the application of all these things, not just a bunch of head knowledge about uh, the timing and events and so forth of the coming of the Lord, but our responsibility then to be prepared and to serve the Lord and be ready to not be ashamed at his return. So thank you very much, Ray, for your time. Yes, thank you too. We enjoyed being here. So again, I really did appreciate Ray's willingness to take the time for this interview. And as we finish our program today, I just want to point out how helpful Ray's book is for these days we live in. You know, Jesus told us over and over again, he would return. And this is what he said about his return in Matthew 24, verses 35 and 36. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Therefore, be on the alert, for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says.